For RCR-TV, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to HetNet Happenings, where we take a look at all things DAS, small cell, Wi-Fi, and much, much more. Comscope. Thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Welcome back to HetNet Happenings. Our show this week is brought to you by our friends at Comscope. Uh, today we're going to hear from Richard Grimes. Richard is the Chief Operating Officer for the DAS and Small Cell Group at Insight Wireless. Uh, Insight's been in the news as of late. That's a uh, privately held company that uh, on May 13th, I believe, was purchased by Capital Tower. Richard was the CEO and co-founder of Capital Tower, and through the acquisition, he transitioned into that new COO role. He sat down with our editorial director and CEO here at RCR Wireless, Jeff Mucci. Two of them talked about a lot of things, including DAS, small cell, and co-location. Co-location is one of those topics that kind of flies under the radar, but it has a real fundamental importance to the telecom industry. We're going to hear more about that later. One of the first questions we posed to Richard is based on a, a lot of trending discussion in the telecom industry. This all started a couple weeks ago with a very click-worthy uh, news article, Is DAS Dead? So we posed that question to Richard, and uh, he certainly did not seem to think so. Let's take a look. Uh, I know our team has written about uh, uh, DAS being dead, and, and others around social media have been talking about DAS being dead. Uh, how do you respond to those comments? Uh, well, I think the patient is alive and well. Um, uh, if you look at from the venue perspective as well as the carrier's perspective, as well as um, you know from Insight's uh, perspective um, and the activity based upon uh, venues that we're focused on, be it at different verticals from hospitality, sports entertainment, uh, transportation, um, and your hospitality resorts, um, it, it's. Uh, you know, it, it's probably as, as, as busy and focused uh, both for 2015 and looking out as I've seen in, in uh, since, you know, DAS got started when I was initially doing that some, you know, 15 years ago. And I was at PCI Wireless Infrastructure Show a couple weeks ago, and um, I think one of the big conversations was the applicability of DAS in smaller venues. Uh, because of cost concerns. How has DAS technology changing to be more cost effective for smaller venues? Well, I, I think, you, you know, you have to look at the technology solutions almost like a toolbox um, with different tools and, and applying different applications of technology that will support both the business model and the needs uh, and the requirements of that venue. So, from a smaller venue, it may be um, solely an enterprise solution, so it's very cost sensitive. And as a result, uh, you may deploy, you know, th um, you know, infrastructure that is um, efficient um, from a capital standpoint, from an operating expense standpoint, uh, where you have, you know, limited um, uh, participation from, if you will, um, our our standpoint, or um, from, you know, the carriers. Carriers may be. Uh, just um, you know, dedicating a single source uh, for that. But you know, I look at each venue based upon size, scope, strategic, uh, or uh, first tier, second tier, 
as you know, you're bringing a toolbox of both the business model and the technology solutions to that venue. And not any one venue is the same. And you're, you know, from a design criteria, your technology solution, as well as the business model that works um, for all parties and stakeholders involved, it, it varies. So uh, in answering your question is, um, you know, is DAS dead? Um, I, I, I don't see DAS as dead. I think it, like any technology and deployment, it evolves uh, much in the tower side where, you know, you had covered sites and now you do infill with capacity and then you have the, you know, the evolution of, of moving towards a data focus, um, you know, in a wireless network. I, I think you apply that same tool to DAS. It, it, you know, depending upon the infrastructure of the venue type, um, it can be, you know, costly, but there, you know, there are um, technology solutions um, that are enabling that and going forward. I think, you know, from, you know, you look at uh, from beacon to Bluetooth to Wi-Fi to cellular, you know, it's a holistic approach based upon what tools you have in the toolbox and, and trying to be very smart and strategic um, and have it be a collective decision by both the venue, the carriers, um, as well as ourselves that, you know, look to uh, design and manage and invest in, in these venues on a long-term basis. But uh, I, I'm very bullish in it and, um, you know, that's my crystal ball, but uh, my crystal ball usually only goes um, uh, hour by hour. Um, and uh, I think if you move past that, it just promotes humility. So from Richard's perspective, DAS is very much alive and well, but he did offer the caveat that his prediction does not have an unlimited horizon. We hear so much about small cells, and although the actual deployments haven't kept pace with the projections, a lot of people think 2015 is really going to be a big year for the carrier commercialization of small cell. The way this in impacts DAS is they provide a lot of the same functionality to the end user. So then you kind of dig into the business case, which makes more sense to deploy from a CapEx and OpEx perspective. Jeff and Richard talked a little bit about that and also brought macro cells into the conversation. Let's take a look at that. Seems like in the last couple of weeks, we've heard a lot more noise about actual small cell deployment deployments, whereas the previous couple of years, we just heard a lot of talk about small cell. Uh, maybe you could share, if you don't mind, share with us your views on uh, the criteria that carriers and enterprises are making between do I deploy indoor DAS, outdoor DAS, or, or small cell? Uh, you know, I, I think it depends upon, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and as we alluded to, uh, you know, previously on the, you know, the, what is the technology and the business model solution that will achieve that? I, you know, I, I um, you know, we're, we're evolving towards a, a, tighter footprint, uh, closer density of delivery of that wireless communication for data purposes, um, for um, measurements that we talked about on uh, from uh, Bounce and, and uh, Beacon, excuse me, and, and Bluetooth and, you know, how do you capture, what are you trying to accomplish with that wireless technology? What are the user's uh, requirements? What's the venue's requirements? What's the carrier's trying to achieve to be able to do that? So I think uh, from, you know, a small cell to outdoor DAS, you know, a lot probably has to do with uh, a combination of density uh, of what you're trying to uh, achieve in, in that particular environment. Um, you know, what uh, availability do you have from a, a fiber standpoint, you know, uh, from the infrastructure? You know, sometimes when you, you go below the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, 
the base of the of the street, you get into Medusa's hair. So um, you know, you wonder, you know, how can you deliver that? Um, you have certain ratios of where do you house the the equipment? I think you're getting into a you know a, a, a centralized base of, of of head end that will serve, be it a you know it currently being done uh, in a uh, uh, ODAS uh, environment, and small cell will be the same. Where you'll you'll have centralized um, um, small cell or DAS uh, facilities that will house all the equipment, and then um, the fiber outreach will will accomplish either on an IDAS ODAS basis or a small cell basis. Um, I think one of the misconceptions on 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 with ODAS uh, outdoor uh, serving antenna systems that everyone has found, and even on small cell, you're, you're still you're still dealing with the, the leaseability, the zonability, and constructability of that, and and what is the business model to support that. Um, you know, if you're attaching a small cell to a building, you're still dealing with the relationship with that venue and that agreement. You're still, to a certain extent, depending upon the jurisdiction, you're still looking at, you know, what uh, conditional use permits or if it, is it allowed by right? Are you on street furniture of, of city-owned property? Those dynamics aren't, you know, changing unless there's some allowed by right uh, that exists um, kind of where I grew up on summers on a ranch where it really doesn't matter, you know, from an outdoor standpoint. But I think the dynamics of leaseability, zonability, and constructability, and the business model associated with that is still uh, a dynamic um, that is, it impacts any type of deployment, be it small cell or, or putting a 200-foot tower. Richard mentioned that a lot of what drives the decision-making on the operator and carrier side is the associated business case, right? So depending on what you're trying to do, sometimes one of the technologies is going to be significantly cheaper than the other. So when you get there, you start looking at a cost-benefit analysis, and a lot of times that skews towards what's less expensive. So one of the big things that we're seeing in terms of keeping CapEx down in the physical layer is co-location. So imagine you have a uh, DAS that's covering a stadium. You're going to have a neutral provider that has their own DAS equipment, which is in some sort of facility in that stadium. And then you're going to have the four different carriers needing access to that DAS for some of their equipment. So when you look at it like that, does it make more sense to have each carrier with their own sort of equipment room? Or do you want to co-locate all of that so it's right there in the same place occupying the same footprint? Obviously, that's what's going to make more sense from a cost and an efficiency standpoint. And so when you consider projections for consumer and enterprise data demand, and then figure in what we all sort of expect a 5G metro deployment to look like, space is a big concern. So co-location is obviously a big deal. It's a big deal for DAS, and it's a big deal for small cell. Let's listen in on Jeff and Richard's discussion about co-location. When you move into small cell, it's like Medusa's hair. Um, can you talk about some of the specific challenges that you're seeing in uh, carriers or, or neutral providers getting to those actual small cell deployments in scale? Well, I mean, it, you start with being able to, you know, to have the, uh, the fiber or the connectivity to be able to, you know, go from that um, access point of that small cell to how you're backhauling it. And the ratios of, of uh, you know, the technology is going to drive, you know, you know how many nodes, how many small cells can you have in a in a in a, in a given footprint uh, to backhaul that back to a centralized location? But 
Um, the advantages of what so, uh, small cell is uh, achieving is two fronts, I see. One is it, it's, it's enabling that, that closer site density and more localized delivery of that capacity um, from a wireless communication standpoint. And, and, and secondly, it's, uh, it's allowing a much more strategic, um, much more cost effective, uh, where you're having a more centralized head-end space where the, the carrier's signal source base station equipment is um, is housed in, in a ratio that could be you know uh, two blocks away or three blocks away or or greater flexibility of where you can locate that depending upon you know wh where your fiber source and runs and 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 ability to deliver that but that that's the dynamic that I think enables um, small cell and that's why it's moving that way it's being driven by speed to market the trying to get away from the, um, the entitlement process that's, that's onerous, the cost associated with um, that, you wanna be able to have greater efficiency in the deployment of your network uh, from a capital standpoint. And then also to be able to achieve the expectations of your user um, uh, from, uh, from a, a capacity delivery and, and depending upon the environment uh, to, to be able to be responsive and, and, and and, uh, and able to, to you know, from a retail standpoint or from a medical standpoint, to be able to connect to that user in that given location point in time for a location-based um, you know, interface between the user and, and that venue. You talked about the centralized head-end. What are some of the options that you're seeing carriers or neutral host providers consider with respect to a centralized location for a small cell deployment? Well, I, I think it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's really changing a dynamic because, you know, dependent upon the, you know, the, the legacy uh, of, of Lex in different territories, you know, they have facilities that now are, you know, that were wireline that are, you know, that uh, really from a capacity standpoint can be utilized or, or um, allocated for um, those centralized locations for, uh, delivery of that that head-end space so I think it opens up the real estate options um, which is is key um, also uh, from a standpoint of, of being able to uh, deliver um, you know uh, it, when you have when you have uh, uh, base stations equipment on roofs or or you're trying to house them on 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 the street or below ground which is always problematic um, on a one-by-one -one basis, that makes it very difficult. So I think it increases, one, the, the real estate options that you have uh, by um, delivering that base station equipment. Two, it, it may or may not um, be able to be a, a greater efficiency in your, your lease cost because you might be able to utilize, because uh, you have greater options and greater options can create a greater efficiency in your, your lease costs and your, your capital expenditure. And then utilization of existing um, uh, real estate um, that the carriers may have or um, other infrastructure uh, providers. And when you say LEC facilities, are you specifically referred to the old Bell Central offices, the wire centers? Right, right. And, and there's other players in that space. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you you have you know Frontier, who's making a a, a big move, and you know, with their acquisition and. Uh, you know, over the last several years on, on Verizon. So now you have these other players that are coming in that have those facilities that are looking aggressively to strategically partner and leverage, not just the wireline side, but, you know, their focus on the delivery of, 
of that uh, data and uh, and digital media. So um, the facilities they have by acquisition are, are becoming an option for what those centralized locations are. But it, it's a smart move. You have to go to it because uh, um, if you're delivering the capacity on a on a, a distributed basis, um, you have to in order to make that work from a capital standpoint, you have to find some scaling of of efficiency. So. You know, maybe you have one head in uh, central uh, location for 10 to 15 to 20. I think the intent of small cell and the evolution of technology uh, for wireless is to, to increase that ratio so that you have um, greater efficiency on your capital deployment um, and also being able to deliver in a very localized way that, that capacity, be it small cell or outdoor or whatever the, the solution, the tool in that toolbox is trying to achieve. Do you see a bias going forward in, in major markets like in New York, Dallas, Chicago, LA, of, of carriers or neutral hosts uh, looking at a, a LEC central office or a Frontier central office as it compared to, say, a, a carrier hotel or a co-location facility? How would you compare and contrast the benefits of uh, a, a Bell CO versus an, uh, an existing data center? You know, I, I think it has a lot to do with um uh, what is the relationship, uh, you know, with that, um, that entity? Um, is it, is it going to, from a speed to market, is it, is going to achieve that? Uh, and, and what's the cost? Um, because it may be your cousin, but it, may, it, it may take you longer. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, in the wireless world as as Jeff, you know, all too well, um, you know, it's uh, flat out, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, you know, Ferraris and, and Cobras in a race. Uh, the wire line is, is not, um, it, it has never really been in that, that uh, motivation, you know, at least in comparison to wireless. And so I, I think you have that dynamic going on. So it's going to matter uh, what's the chemistry and the relationship, even if it is a, a partner company or a cousin. Uh, what's the capital cost, and and, um, and, and is it going to be a short-term solution? Uh, because uh, a rework will kill you. Um, and so I, I think that whatever that head-in space, that, that centralized um, uh, space would be, it, you have to look at, you know, you know at least five to ten years out. It, it can't be a Band-Aid approach because you know it's just really not going to serve you later. And, and we all know from what the costs uh, associated with site modifications and, and and upgrades from the switch to you know to the actual um, rad center it's very costly so um, trying to create that efficiency up front uh, you'll save on your opex and future capital expenditure interesting well for another time I'd like to circle back on that point and really just and I don't want to get into it now but does that present the opportunity for a third type of colo facility? that's really dedicated for these centralized small cell deployments uh, that are sitting on fiber networks that have the environmentals, but by introducing that type of facility, now you're introducing uh, delays and build time. So it'll be interesting to see if people go into Bell CEOs, they go into the existing colo facilities, carry hotels, or you see this new business model emerge where you have this neutral host carrier hotel. But again, you can spend three to four months or six months getting one of those built. So well, let's, I think that's a, you know, you're spot on on that. And I'll, I'll just say that, uh, um, you know, I think that's a, a shared focus and, and strategy for, uh, um, for myself and, and, and my peers that, that are similarly in that position.
All right, very interesting. And that was uh, abbreviated segments from that interview. If you'd like to see the whole thing, I'd encourage you to check out the RCR Wireless Noob YouTube channel. You can also check out multimedia content on the RCR TV webpage. I'd like to thank my boss, Jeff, for taking the time to speak with Richard. Richard, thank you for making the time to speak with us. And to the folks at home, thank you for joining us for HetNet Happenings. Please tune in next week. HetNet Happenings is a production of RCR-TV. To reach Sean Kinney or to suggest a show topic for HetNet Happenings, you can reach Sean at skinney at rcrwireless.com. On Twitter at SeanKinneyRCR. To find out more about the latest in HetNet and all things wireless, dig into rcrwireless.com.